Hi, and welcome to Just a GP. On today's podcast, you're here with Beck Hoffman and Charlotte Hespi. And today we are podcasting with Chris Davis. He's a GP from Sydney with a particular interest in alcohol, alcohol misuse, and how to reduce and cease your alcohol intake. Um, So hello to everybody. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming along. And I think we should probably jump straight in with our highlights of the week. And then I'll get Chris to tell us a little bit more about who he is and what he does and how he found a passion in this area. So I might jump in with my highlight of the week. And depending on when this gets edited, and live you'll see how long this process takes this week with registrar training is the end of one term and the beginning of a next term next week and so this week I've had lots of warm fuzzy feelings with my current registrars leaving and we have a lovely tradition of going out for lunch on everyone's last shift and debriefing about some of those difficult consultations and celebrating some of our highs that we've had throughout the term and really just getting ready to move on to the next chapter for them which is their next rotation and for me the next group of registrars coming in. So my highlight has been celebrating their next milestone and letting passing the baton on to the next rotation for them. And I think I'll pass over to Charlotte to see what her highlight of the week is. Oh, hi. Thanks, um, Beck, And hi, Chris. Actually, my highlight has been today where I have had the joy of being part of a workshop learning how to use a platform called Echo, which is a way of being able to share sort of teaching about some area with people who are all interested in it. And it's done in a very, oh, it's, it's hard to explain, but basically it's it's a bit like a webinar, but it's not a webinar because everybody who is present is actually very much part of it. And it's about having cases and it's a really active learning process and interestingly Chris it was all around the college and alcohol so part of learning how to use this specifically at this point in time for the college for an alcohol program but from my perspective for New South Wales ACT I'm very interested in how this might look for a whole lot of things that we can upskill and network socially network and connect GPs all around New South Wales ACT. Uh, Yeah thanks Charlie I mean that's that's right and the ECHO project will be a large part of the alcohol and other drugs GP education program that, that we can talk about a little bit later. I guess my personal highlight was a bit similar to Bex in as much as I said goodbye to a relatively new friends who had to leave these shores and go back to the motherland of, of the UK. And But I also spent a couple of days with some, some very old friends as well. So I guess my weekend was spent sort of reflecting on friendships old and new and the importance of those sounds like that was great for your well-being and self-care which is often also a running theme of our podcast so it's nice to hear a little bit about that as well I was hoping that you would be able to start off by talking to us a little bit about who you are and particularly what area of general practice you're interested in well, I'm, I'm just a GP, like, uh, like all of us, I guess. And 
I have had various special interests through my sort of medical career. You know, I loved pediatrics and, and did my diploma in child health. And, and then I, I got an interest in HIV and, and sexual health. But when I was, I'd just become a partner. I'd only been a GP for, for a year. And I, I took on a partnership in London, which was pretty stressful. And they were looking for some methadone prescribers. And so the local sort of uh, the equivalent of the PHN offered some free education in substance misuse training, um, which I, I took them up on. And at the time I was doing a, a, I was volunteer, doing a voluntary sort of project with Prison FM, which was a, a radio program for the inmates of Brixton Prison. And, and they all had questions about drugs and well, mainly drugs and especially how they could get drugs into the prison. And, and so that had sort of sparked my interest. So I did this year-long diploma in, in substance misuse, and then we talked a bit about alcohol then as well, and I became a methadone prescriber down back in London. But what I was finding is, uh, you know, I was working in a very busy NHS GP clinic, and, and you know, I was seeing a handful of opiate-dependent patients, but what I was seeing daily in and out were the effects of alcohol, just in you know, people with high blood pressure, depression, insomnia anxiety in particular and there was another uh, sort of set of clinics in Wandsworth where I was working called the Fresh Start Clinics which were were mainly nurse-led because that was sort of the cheapest way to run these clinics and they were nurse-led home alcohol detox clinics and, and there were two great GPs running these clinics and so I put my hand up when they needed another GP for these alcohol clinics and it, it quickly became a real passion of mine because the difference that the home alcohol detox made not just to the patient but to their families in a very short period of time was was huge and I'd never been part of anything in general practice which I personally could do myself in my own clinic which made such a visible physical and emotional and social difference to to my patients so before I I emigrated out here Five years ago to Kildare Road Medical Centre in Blacktown was, was my first sort of posting. I told the owners there that this had really become a passion of mine and it'd be something that I really wanted to carry on when I when I came over here. And, and when I got to Australia, I realised that the problems here are virtually the same as, as what we had in London, in that there is this huge unmet need. So for our dependent drinkers, people who are polydrug users perhaps, who have lots of social issues, um, dual diagnosis. They have very well-prescribed you know, well pathways into secondary care services. They, they need an inpatient detox and ongoing sort of psychiatric support. But that only accounts for maybe 10 to 15% of our dependent drinkers. The other 85% are your the drinkers that we see in our practices every day, the, the, the single mums, the working mums I see very often, or the labourers who maybe are drinking one to two bottles of, of wine a day or, you know, whatever it might be. And they have jobs and they have families and they don't want to go to AA necessarily. You know, AA is fantastic for the right patient. They certainly don't want to go to a specialist unit. and uh, there really has been a, a real sort of lack in our service provision for this for this type of patient, and that's what 
the Clean Slate Clinic, which I've sort of designed based on that clinic I uh, worked in in the NHS, is really for for those mild to moderate drinkers who just need a bit of bit of help, a bit of extra support in making the change that, that they that they want and, and need. And so, then, how did that move into what you're doing now? So, I, I was very lucky at, at Kildo Road. They they were super supportive. So the the clinic in uh, in the NHS was as I say nurse led we had a specialist nurse helping us but um, Medicare don't sort of provide you know money for for the specialist nurse support that I had in the NHS so I, I really had to redesign the clinic so it was GP focused so I then became really the person who was doing the legwork and I brought over the assessment pack from London but I was finding that was taking an hour and a half of nurse time to really go through a full risk assessment, child protection issues, the, the whole works, and that just wasn't practical. So I, I, I've streamlined the clinic, streamlined the paperwork at least, so I've redesigned that assessment pack, which includes all the important information, so to, to work out whether someone's going to be safe for a home detox, so what what's the um, social background do they have a support person secure housing have they had a seizure before have they had the dts or severe withdrawal symptoms before how much are they drinking are they using other drugs do they have any serious health conditions and and obviously i include a lot of that in my initial chat with the patient but the assessment pack is there to pick up anything i might have missed it also has a an audit questionnaire and a severity of alcohol dependence questionnaire a k10 and a suicide risk assessment and that might sound like a lot, but it, it, it's really taken it from an hour and a half with a nurse to a pack that I give to the patient, takes them about 20 minutes. And along with some other preparation paperwork that I give them, they bring that back to the next appointment where we would then plan the next step, which could look like a home detox if that's uh, suitable. So you chat with them first. So, just so you chat with them first. You have that sort of initial consult. Send them back with the pack, and then have the follow-up arrangement. So the initial chat, I guess, is really probably, you know, probably the most important part of the process because that's where that uh, that relationship of trust happens. People have often asked for help before from you know their own GP. And, and, and found perhaps their problem wasn't taken as seriously as they might like. I had a patient in this week who's drinking a bottle of wine a night. And her GP said, oh, look, that's probably what your friends are drinking too. You know, maybe it's not such a bad, not, not such a bad thing. And, and really, people need to ha- be heard. And, and GPs are brilliant at that, you know, building rapport, real active listening, really hearing what they've got to say, letting them know that they're in a safe place and that, and that you can help. And, and that's what I really concentrate on uh, in that first session. And so the assessment pack is quite nice because then I don't have to worry too much if I've forgotten if they've got any allergies. You know, I don't have to worry too much about taking their blood pressure. It, I mean, alcohol dependence is a, is a chronic disease, a chronic relapsing, remitting, remitting disease. And, and this is what GPs are, are brilliant at. You know, we're the specialists at this, this sort of stuff. Um, the communication skills, the motivational interview, and and helping people with alcohol problems is is really it fits into our skill set perfectly. I absolutely agree, and it's just lovely when you can sort of do it within that context. So tell me, 
does this mean that you're just doing this sort of work now or is it sort of part of you doing other things as well? I'm just a GP still, so I still have my special interests. I mean, I still, uh, I'm a HIV prescriber as well. So this is really just built into my everyday clinic. And again, that's one of the beautiful things about general practice. And and one of the, the greatest things about helping people with addictions in general practice is that they can just book in an appointment with their GP. Nobody has to know what they're talking about. Indeed, no one will find out what we're talking about, of course. So it's very discreet. It's completely confidential. If we do a home detox, I can sign them off, work for a week you know, with a medical condition. So again, this is, this is what we have in our skill set that, that the specialist services don't have. So we can give true holistic care. So yes, of course, I can help someone detox from alcohol and help with their recovery. But I can also help with their anxiety, with their high blood pressure, with all of the general practice stuff uh, that, that they also need. The other beautiful thing about it is if you go to a specialist service, but then say relapse in two months time, you, you're going to see a new face. You're going to have to tell your story again. And, and there's a lot of shame and guilt attached to alcohol. Whereas I see patients years down the line, um, not just for relapse, um, although obviously I make it very aware, make the patient very aware that I would never judge them and I'd really encourage them to come back if they do lapse or relapse. But they know if they book in to see me that, that they're going to see me and that they don't have to go through their story again. And again, you know, the continuity of care is really what, you know, what, what we surprise the most in, in general practice. Yeah, and and I've just and again in terms of sharing your model, how has that sort of worked within your practice as well? You were saying your practice has been really supportive of you doing this work. Does that mean that you get sent all of these patients, or have you been able to share that that sort of ability to to bring this into everyday practice? So this is my my next big dream because I feel. I, I don't think this is for every GP, what I, and I, I definitely don't want to put the message over there that we should all be doing this because we absolutely shouldn't. You know, home detox can be dangerous, and you need to have a little bit of a little bit of training, but you need to have the ability to see somebody every day, Monday to Friday. You know, you need a practice nurse ideally. You need a little bit of structure, and not every GP can offer that. But certainly, I think if we could have a GP doing this in every PHN, that's going to really meet this unserviced need. At the minute, I I get emails from all over Australia. I had a patient fly down from Gold Coast to see me. I've detoxed someone from Canberra who got an Airbnb next to my surgery. And and, and that shouldn't shouldn't be the case. You know, this service, I think, should be offered in every PHN. Just just one GP would be amazing. And and so my next dream really is to to really spread this model absolutely and and we'll be doing that through the college i guess there is um, resistance uh, and and i totally understand that because as i say detoxing some, someone from alcohol uh, has an inherent risk with it people gps rightly or, or wrongly see uh, dependent drinkers as complex and and difficult and currently there's no sort of extra remuneration for it Um, however every alcohol dependent 
patient is eligible for uh, chronic disease management plan and, and mental health care plan. So, you know, th- there is some some money in it. But uh, I guess what I really want to spread uh, is just how incredibly satisfying and rewarding helping people with alcohol genuinely is. I, I saw a lady three months ago now who I hadn't seen for a year since I detoxed her. And I called her name in. And, and when I see these names come up, it's always, you know, it's 50-50 whether it's because they've started drinking again or, or, or whether it's, you know, it's good news. And I, I called her name in the waiting room and I genuinely didn't recognize her. And this is someone who, I, obviously, through a detox, you get to know someone really, really well. You see them every day in the detox. They, you really do bond with your patients, which, again, is it's a lot of the reason we, we go into general practice for that sort of connection that we can have with, with our patients. And she walked up the stairs, and I, I literally had to take a second look because she, she lost 10 kilos. She was a completely different woman. Um, she'd started running marathons. She, she was getting on great with her kids that she'd been having real difficulties with. Her marriage was back on track. And um, she came in after a year just really to, to thank me, and not that I needed thanking. Um, and, and you know, I have families who are very grateful and and just seeing this change is, is I, I, you know, I, I really wish, I, what I want more GPs to to get that same sort of pleasure that, that I have the privilege of, of having. Share the joy, as we say. Share, Share the, joy. the joy, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because you, you, you touched on it. It's that, you know, a lot of GPs are afraid of, well, not, a, well, I'm condescending of me to say GPs are afraid of alcohol, but I think that alcohol and and addiction type conversations may be something that we well might avoid on the basis that it might take us more time than we think we have. And yet, as you're pointing out, this is actually an area that we can make such a difference on, and probably a lot of people want to talk about it and actually want to be assisted. We just have to understand that it's that it is doable, that major change is possible, and it's just a wonderful thing when you can see that the changes in a life. That's absolutely right. I mean, not everybody needs a home detox. So you know, as as in most, oh, maybe fifty percent of people who come for help just need a bit of guidance. And things, simple tools like drink diaries. Um, there's some brilliant phone apps out there now. So I use Drink Meter, but I tend to give them a paper drink diary. I mean, that's a proven tool, really simple mindfulness tool, which which uh, can be enough on its own. Certainly, it's been proven to be enough just to, to, to reduce people's consumption. And certainly, people will come back having stopped drinking because by the time they've come to you to ask for help, they're, they're way down, you know, the, contemplative stage of the uh you know they're they're ready they're ready to make a change but even before then you know know, we should take all opportunities to to just ask the question certainly every time someone gives me a high blood pressure reading i just ask how much they drink and and if and if people can link their blood pressure to to alcohol or their sleep to alcohol or their poor sleep to alcohol you know just sowing those seeds as gps we've got a real sort of powerful brief intervention role so i you know i I don't think we need to worry that if we ask the question that we then have to take on a a home detox ourselves you know that that's that's not the case and and just asking the question is a is a really important step 
So Chris, you talked a little bit about how you select the right patient or what selection criteria you have and what the first and second consults look like. And you mentioned that we needed to be able to provide care for at least the first five days of the week. I was hoping you'd be able to walk through what for you or for patients that first week or that detox week looks like. Yeah, I'll, I'll sort of take you through a patient journey. So yeah, that the first consult, I guess we've already talked about, really building that rapport. I give them a drink diary and the assessment pack and I do some blood tests. I get them started on high dose thiamine. And that sort of depends on how much they're drinking as to how much I suggest. But if I'm planning, if I think at that first stage I'm going to do a home detox, I'll get them on 200 or 250 milligrams three times a day orally. I get them to write out a pros and cons list, another really powerful awareness raising tool, which will help them further down the line. And I give them my resource list, which has some TED Talks on there. Judson Brewer does a fantastic Breaking Bad Habits talk, which doesn't even really talk about alcohol, but uh, really sets the, the sort of scene. And then at that, so at that next appointment, when I've got all that information, I might offer a mental health care plan at that point, or even a chronic disease management plan, depending on um, what their needs are. And I'll plan in the next step. And the next step is um, not always a home detox. Some people do want an inpatient or indeed need an inpatient detox, or some people are capable of uh, slowly reducing or stopping themselves. But let's just say uh, this is a drinker, she's drinking a bottle and a half to two bottles of wine a night, and, and she's tried to stop on her own and, and struggled with that. So we'll plan in a, a home detox. So I'll start that on a Monday. I, I do work Monday to Friday, which is why I can see them five days a week. But but generally, you know, as long as um, you can you can offer four days in a row, that that's enough. The first four days are the the highest risk risk days, and after that, the chances of DTS and seizure is gone. So I will book them in. I'll, I'll prepare them. I give them some written material about what the detox is going to look like. I'll make sure. I'll, I'll, well, I'll make sure they've got a support person and a safe place to be. Uh, that they've got someone who can give them a lift if they need to drive because they can't drive whilst they're uh, on the Valium. And then, so let's say they come in on the Monday morning. They've had their last drink the day before. I'll do a breathalyzer to make sure that they're not blowing sky high. They they don't need to blow zero, but if they're blowing sort of over 0.05, yeah, I might sort of, or if, yeah, I might get them to go away, have a coffee, come back, and just make sure it's coming down rather than going up. Um, I do a urine drug screen, and and again, the, the urine drug screen doesn't generally stop me from doing the detox, but it, it can offer a real good conversation piece if it comes back positive i had uh, one lady who had had no drug history but her urine drug screen was positive for opioids amphetamines and benzodiazepines and it turns out she'd you know taken a panadine fort for her back she was on duramine for bulimia don't ask me any more questions about that i don't know what that indication is and she was she had some valium as well uh, but just a one-off but but yeah I, I do that really to cover myself and, and benzos are the main thing that i'm, I'm looking for then if someone's dependent on benzos that makes it home detox pretty tricky and you've got to be really careful with your, your history taking then so they come in they have breathalyzer drug screen we do a withdrawal scale i use the CWS, c-i-w-a uh, c score and the nurse does all that for me she takes the blood pressure 
and then should they come through to me I'll give them a dosing schedule and it's really symptomatic relief so I, I you know unless they're particularly heavy drinkers or you know, have a history of, of bad withdrawals um, obviously if they've got a history of seizure or DT then I will never do them then I, I might sort of insist on some sort of preloading but generally I'll give someone uh, 10 milligrams four times a day and explain when when they should use it and how they should use it and then each day they come in and, and repeat the process so I don't do the tr- drug screen again and and that week they slowly wean off the, the Valium and I give them some Valium to last them over the weekend and see them on the Monday after for a post detox review but that gives me four or five appointments with them to really plan their aftercare I really get them to think about the conversations they're going to have to have with friends and family, you know, the people that are close to them, that they can be fully honest with and fully support them. And then their wider circle, are they going to just tell them they're on a health kick or they're trying to lose weight, you know, but planning for those conversations is really important because that's often what derails people. Um, If they have underlying anxiety, then we're going to be getting psychology involved and talking about anxiety management um i use a meditation app um or, or you know all the stuff that we do every day is, as gps but I, I need to know that there's some aftercare in place smart recovery aa certainly the daybreak phone app is, is a good sort of uh, support in your pocket i have a, i'm lucky enough to have the uh, from the langton center who's an alcohol counselor come and work with us on a friday morning which is again fantastic and then they'll come, and generally it's a very comfortable experience. Patients are really surprised at how easy they found it. And of course they've got Valium, which yeah, relaxes them. So then the Valium finishes on the Sunday. I get them in on the Monday and, and again, check they were okay over the weekend, which is a high-risk time, which is, I give, which is why I give them some Valium to see them through their first weekend off the alcohol. And then I would generally use naltrexone on the Monday as an anti-craving medication. Occasionally I use Camprel, uh, less occasionally I use some antabuse, but, but naltrexone is a really good one pill a day choice. Um, really good at reducing cravings and gives us that little safety net that if they do lapse, they do drink, it takes some of the pleasure out of the alcohol. So they're less likely to go on and have that third or fourth drink and have a, have a full relapse. And, and then I will often see them weekly going forward. Uh, or fortnightly, or if they're from Canberra, never again. <laughs> so yeah, and it's a journey that's uh, it's it's really nice to be a part of, especially when you get to the end of that journey with them, and their sleep is better. You know, I, I audited my results, and uh, one month after detox, on average, your systolic uh, blood pressure drops by 16 millimeters of mercury, and that includes people who didn't even have high blood pressure to start with. There's no antihypertensive that can do that. You know, I'll be stopping people's PPIs. You know, people stop their antidepressants once the alcohol is not part of the picture anymore. I'll reduce their blood pressure meds. You know, the, the difference it makes. Uh, on a medical physical level is incredible but people will say you know my, my husband's talking to me again my kids are, are really happy with me I, I'm, I'm better at work I'm, I, I'm finding that I'm, I'm running more you know every aspect of your life uh, improves and to be a part of that journey is is just is incredible that is the joy of being just a gp isn't it i mean i just Mm. i think that it's just wonderful hearing you and hearing the passion in your voice about doing it but also i'm struck by the calmness of it it's like as you say it's a very comfortable thing to do you obviously have it all sort of well and truly sort of sussed out 
I'm interested how many patients per week. I mean, it sounds like it, you know, you've got a timetable for it. So how many people would you feel comfortable seeing through this process yourself um, on a weekly basis? It's, it's increased and increased and increased um, increasingly, to you know, keep using the same word, I, I'm seeing drinkers. And I, I, I was sort of concerned about that when I set off on this. I, I, I love it. Um, I get really excited about it. So because I'm getting referrals now from local GPs and people can Google, patients can Google me. Uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of drinkers and uh, with because I'm there each morning and I've got nurse support I can do five or six detoxes a week if, if I have to and, and, and I've only done that rarely and, and it's never boring you know this isn't something that, that gets tedious because these everyone's different and yeah so I can do five or six but at, at the minute I'm now I'm, I'm booked up so I, I need a bit of help <laughs> and, and I, I guess that's where the alcohol and other drugs GP education program that the college is running is, is really exciting for me because I'm hoping to be able to give other GPs the, the opportunity and uh, I guess the privilege of being able to, to run this sort of clinic as well. So Chris, you talked about a few resources that you use that are in your resource pack, I think, and I was hoping that we could perhaps do a bit of a segue over across into our Pearl of the Week or our Resource of the Week, and we might be able to start with you and hear a bit more about some of those. Sure. I guess for some sort of, you know, things that I use every day would be, uh, and, and a book that I always recommend is This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, and, and her website's incredible. The Hello Sunday Morning website's got loads of really good stuff on, and their Daybreak app is, is fantastic. So I guess they're the sort of headlines, but I, I would like to share something that I only learned uh, this week, which was a, a patient I've known for a long time, came out of rehab, and he had the deep dive method written on his uh, discharge summary. So I asked him what that was. I hadn't heard of that before. And he says, well, I get these terrible cravings. And so if I'm at home and I get a craving that I can't shift with the usual techniques, then I dump, dump my head into a, a freezing bowl of water with loads of ice cubes. And that completely gets rid of, of my cravings. And I was like, oh, that is incredible. And I've never heard of that. I'll, I'll use that. And I said, but what do you do if you're out and about? You know, if you're in the shops, you can't, you can't do that. And he says, well, I always keep uh, little packets of wasabi in my in my pocket, and so if I get a craving, I go but I put a whole packet of wasabi <laughs> in my mouth, and that does the same thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That the, the the wasabi hit. <laughs> That's right. I got bare it myself. Thanks. And you, Charlotte, what is your resource? Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I'll follow on. Um, Chris talked about breaking um, habits and as being one of those things. And I've just recently finished a really impressive book called Good Habits, Bad Habits, The Science of Making Positive Changes That Stick by a woman called Wendy Wood. And I recommend it to anyone. It's really, really interesting reading and is, as a GP, is just so useful in the way in which we both think about what patients do, how we actually change behaviours and some of the strategies that we can use um, for that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good read at the same time. 
I'm going to follow suit and also recommend my um, Pearl of the Week as a book. Well, actually, I do most of my reading as listening as an audio book because I spend quite a bit of time commuting. And the one I'm reading at the moment is called The Vagina Bible, and it's by Dr. Jen Gunter, who's a US OGBYN. And she has written a great book for patients or for consumers about what to expect as a normal female reproductive system and normal menstruation and all the way through to different contraceptive topics and menopause. And it's um, definitely something that I'm going to be recommending to my patients as it's brilliantly written, no woo, just good book. Uh, good listen. And with a fairly, you know, uh, hot um, title with being the Vagina yeah. Bible. <laughs> Um, so thank you for coming along and joining us today, Chris. Very interesting to hear what you're doing. And I look forward to some of those education sessions you were talking about happening soon. Yeah, and I'll just put in an aside there. If anyone is interested, please go to the college website because um, on the front page there is actually a button that will take you through to all the information about the current alcohol education a sort of program that's available and there's a, a big range very much targeted to be useful for anybody and everybody but also really trying to resource GPs who are in rural remote areas maybe and know that they have to do this work and really are going to be able to enable to have a whole lot more skills so we're really excited that we've had Chris on to in just give us a touch of some of the great things that you'll be able to learn through this pro these programs. Yeah, I've I've done um an hour long webinar for the college, which is still acceptable. Uh, it's acceptable. Uh, I hope it's still acceptable. But it's uh, available on the website as well, uh, and that talks a bit more in depth about the actual process. Great. So thanks everybody. Thanks for listening in again, and let's look forward to the next time that we get to have another fabulous chat. But thanks and have a good 2020, everybody. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.